You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. When Christmas isn't quite Christmas, I'm a little nervous about these comfortable couches up here. Everybody's watching you. I was talking to Jeff earlier. It's tar- it's tar- I know it's dark out there, and I, you know, keep awake, y'all. Keep awake. Here we go. You don't have these fancy couches. Everybody's watching you. When Christmas just isn't Christmas, right? When it, it's, sometimes it, when it's so close, but not quite. When all of the metrics and measurements and the, the tree is lit and your house is, is lit, we, hmm, we, put, we put lights on our house yesterday and it's always an exercise in whether or not my wife and I are gonna make it. But we are, we are here and it's because Christy did most of it. So I just wanna say that out loud. God bless you, thank you. Sometimes everything seems so close, and, but it's not, it's not quite there. Our scripture lesson today comes from Zechariah, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse nine. Uh, it'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But, but they refused to listen and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears in order not to hear. They made their hearts adamant in order not to hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Again, season of Advent, our readings in the first couple of weeks of Advent are these prophecies, and they do. They kind of sound very Grinch-like, don't they? If you don't listen to God, the wrath of God is coming, and the wrath of God might be a green, furry creature on the top of Mount Crumpet who's going to steal away Christmas. When Christmas isn't quite Christmas, Zechariah calls us to have true judgments or a right perception of the world, and that perception must be rooted in kindness and mercy to one another. Otherwise, we become a parody of Christmas. We're simply pretending. The lights are bright, the tree is tall, but Christ is not present. Speaking of parodies, one of my favorite songs growing up uh, during the Christmas season was called The Twelve Yats of Christmas. Have you heard this song? Do you know this song? Uh, It's out of New Orleans. I know I'm I'm in Yankee territory up here in North Louisiana, but in South Louisiana, we have a song, it's Benny Grunch and the Bunch. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me the crawfish they caught in Araby, right? And it goes to Tinnakosha Met Refinery, Lower Ninth Ward. Eight Bayou Mamas, 17th Street Canal, six pack of Dixie, fried onion rings. Before you drive me nuts, three French breads, two Jags recipes, and a crawfish they caught in Araby. The fun of parodies is that it's, it sounds like Christmas. It's so close to being Christmas. It's only on the radio during Christmas, but it, it's not quite Christmas, right? I cannot ask the band to do the 12 yats of Christmas in front of all of you nice people, right? It's so close, but it's not 
quite. It's a parody. It's symbolic. Now, sometimes parodies can communicate a profound truth, right? Uh, Sometimes comedy, sometimes absurdity can perform uh, uh, what words just cannot, right? For example, the book of Jonah is like a parody, right? It It is a parody of the common prophetic narrative. Most of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they have these really powerful call narratives. Isaiah, for example, he saw God on a throne and six winged angels. You know, Isaiah says, I can't, I can't serve you. I'm a man of unclean lips. So God said, all right, I'm going to take care of that. And God burned his lips with a hot coal and all of a sudden he was clean and this powerful narrative. And then Isaiah spends the next 66 chapters of eloquent and epic poetry trying to get the people of Israel to listen to God. But then you have a book like Jonah, which is a parody of the great prophets of old. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, nope. (laughs) And he gets on a boat and goes the other way, thinking that he can escape God, which is hilarious. It's as if God said, Matt, I want you to go to Shreveport. I have a word you need to proclaim. And I say, nope. And I start walking to Minden, thinking that God can't see me. Utterly ridiculous. So they're in a boat, there's a storm. Uh, and, and it's not that, that God is trying to, um, uh, Jonah's like, I can't do this, like, you know, like Isaiah, where God is then going to, through a six-winged angel, burn his lips and make him clean. There's a storm, and Jonah says, you know, it's me. I know it's me. That's why the storm is, is here. And the sailors are like, when were you going gonna to keep that a secret? How, when were you going to mention? So they throw him overboard, right? And then a big fish falls. And, and when, when Jonah's swallowed by this, this, this fish, Jonah has this eloquent prayer, Lord, you are slow to mercy abounding in steadfast love. And, and then God, what did God think about Jonah's prayer? The fish went and, and, and vomited him up on the shore. So grieving and very Grinch-like, Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh. Understand the city of Nineveh is three days journey across. Jonah walks one day into the city. He doesn't even get to Main Street. He doesn't even get to downtown. And he gives the shortest prophecy in all the Bible. He says, 40 days from y'all, 40 days from now, y'all, you're going to burn. It's done. He doesn't say, hey, listen to the Lord. Treat one another with kindness and it will all be well. No, no, no. Jonah says, 40 days from now, you toast. And it works. That's absolutely absurd. Isaiah spent 66 chapters of epic and eloquent poetry. And Jonah says, turn or burn. And then he walks out of the city. And then it works. The king, he he puts on sackcloth and ashes. He even puts sackcloth and ashes on the livestock. There were chickens running around with sackcloths. It's absolutely absurd because it points to an absurd truth. The absurd truth is Jonah was angry because God offered salvation to whom Jonah didn't think deserved it. If we are angry, with God's grace, if we are angry with God offering salvation to whom we don't think deserves it, that is absurd. And we need to exercise that from our journey. Sometimes absurdity is the only thing that can help us understand an absurd truth. So the Grinch 
is this parody of Christmas. He puts on a Santa suit. He puts on uh, um, a beard. He gets on a sleigh. He goes to the house at midnight. He goes to the, he's doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. He becomes a parody of Christmas itself. Some things look like Christmas, but aren't really Christmas. It's like I was listening to a, a Hillsong uh, song uh, last year. And there's, there's a Christmas album called Seasons. And the lyric in the Christmas album was, your love, O Lord, is like the long winter sun. You know, I'm just banging out the long winter, like long, whoa, 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 back up, back up. Your love is like the long winter sun. Any astrophysicists out here notice the problem of that? The long winter sun? No, 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 it's supposed to be a short winter sun, right? What a weird lyric. So I went back and I found out that I had misheard it. It is your love, O Lord, is like the low winter sun because God is very close and God is very near. I was like, oh, well, now that's all of a sudden beautiful. Except, wait a minute, Hillsong is in Australia. <laughs> it's warm where they are. What are you talking about, low winter sun? And, and me, here, here's my bias, because I thought, this is embarrassing for all you nice people on, online, I thought the, this is my northern hemisphere bias coming out, I thought the entire world called this time of year winter. It just so happened that in Australia they had a warm winter. That's not how, that's not how it works. They call this time of year summer <laughs> because it's warm. So then I was still confused. Why is Hillsong writing a wintry summer, a wintry Christmas song? And it's because they know their market. Yeah? They know their market. Right? Sometimes like when, when we, when we, portray Christmas and there's, there's snow and sleigh bells and a sleigh ride. Like we, we forget the whole southern hemisphere of the globe is warm this time. Sometimes Christmas isn't quite Christmas. Like this Hillsong song that talked about a wintry, a wintry season while they're surfing uh, on Christmas Eve. There's something a bit inauthentic about that. And, and maybe we can't quite put our finger on what that is. But there's something missing. There's something a bit inauthentic. It's not quite there. Yes, the Grinch has a Santa suit and a beard and a sleigh and a big bag. But it's, it ain't there. It ain't right. And now I'm going to say the most controversial thing I've ever said at Asbury Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. I love movies. Uh, I lo this particular, Christy makes fun of me because I don't go to the theater unless something is blowing up on the screen. I don't go unless there's an explosion. I'm not there. I'll, I'll stream it on Netflix. I'm not going to the theater. Great movie. Not a, Chris not a Christmas movie. Okay? There are some things that look like Christmas, smell like Christmas, taste like Christmas. In 2016, 1.7 million people streamed Die Hard in December, which beat out Miracle on 34th Street. What the crap is going on? It's not a Christmas movie, and yet there's something cultural about it that we, we have attached it to the season. And, 
It's, a, it's parody. It's parody. Santa suit, sleigh, midnight, chimney, not quite Christmas. Now, the Who's down in Whoville are not without criticism. The Grinch is not mad at them because they're celebrating their faith or they're feeding the hungry or they're being evangelistic with their practices or opening their doors to the least and the lost. No, the Grinch is mad because they're too loud. It's too garish. It's too boisterous. It's too big. And to that, I would say to the Grinch, I feel you. Right? Sometimes, and, and it's not the good people of Asbury, but other churches around here. When I see their commercials, like for Christmas Eve, I'm like, is this a WWE SmackDown event? Like, what's going on? It's like this huge thing with like lasers and lights and, you know. Now, 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 if that is authentically you, if that is the role you play in the community, then make sure your lights are the biggest and best for Jesus. But we might. Sometimes we put Christmas on an idol pedestal like the Who's, where it's all lights and decorations and music and we polish the brass and, but we forget about Jesus, right? Jesus being born in Bethlehem, to a, it, it's not just a charming story of rags to riches. That Jesus, God the divine emptied God's self and was born literally in the lowest place on the planet. Jericho, that area, is literally the lowest place on the planet where people, can, where people can live. God on high in heaven entered into literally the lowest place where humans are. It's not just a charming story of a poor family. It is our faith. Sometimes, sometimes, we, miss, sometimes we miss the significance of that during this time of the season. Now, Good job, preacher, because we have couches and we're having a big Christmas concert of 100 people. Yes, totally aware. Yes, because on the one hand, the folks who have been away, I, I hope you come to Christmas and I'm preaching to the choir because you're literally here. But I, the folks who have been away, I hope during this season that God reaches out to them and they come back to church, come back whether it's Asbury or anywhere, come back to a faith community. And I hope by the end of the year you are saying. My God, I have missed this. This is important to me. Being with faithful people is important to me. Whether it's online or in person, being connected to fellow journey, journeyers on this path is important to me and I'm going to make a commitment. Or maybe this is your first time at Asbury or first time in church and I pray that God's spirit reaches out to you and says, yes, you are welcome here. God put on flesh and entered into our story and, and, and we want you to enter into ours. And we want to be a part of your life if this is your first time connecting with a, a church family. But not because it, the lights are the biggest and the best and the, we have bonfires and inflatable Grinches. And it's because we hope to be an authentic place where you yourself can be authentic to who God is calling you to be, who God has created you to be. Sometimes it's really vulnerable. Sometimes that's joyful. Sometimes this place is the only place where you can share good news. Likewise, it's sometimes the only place where you can share bad news. And we'll love you anyway. Because we love you. This is our living room. You're welcome. You're welcome here. So the who's are not without criticism. 
render true judgments, Zechariah says. Judgments rooted in kindness and mercy to one another. Sometimes our celebrations can just be too loud to hear the gospel. Guilty. There's a feeling of inadequacy sometimes during this season. Namely, when we are putting lights on our house. (laughs) Because I can't stand it. It's tedious. You're on a ladder. And it's like, and we, I mean, literally, you would think I'm talking about the Taj Mahal. No, I'm talking like two strands of lights (laughs) that we put up, right? But then, like, you put these up and you look at your neighbor's house. And that schmo, like, hired a team. And like, they're not on, they're not on the edge of his roof. They're on his roof, legit, like all the way up, baby, where Santa can land that plane, right? He can see their house. And there's something that's like, man, I, I need to up my game. Santa's going to miss our house because the lights aren't bright enough, right? It is so quick to fall into that. And then we're like the who's. And then frankly, maybe we do need a Grinch to walk in and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I'll deviate from the Grinch for just a second. Um, one of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right? So we have Die Hard, we have Indiana Jones. Like, I feel you, right? Okay. Also, not a Christmas movie, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, consequently. Um, in the last scene, you know this, right? Uh, 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 I almost said James Bond. I really, I need to see something explode today, apparently. I'm having... Not James Bond, Indiana Jones. In the last scene, right, he finds the, the Holy Grail. There's this, there's this room where there's these Holy Grails all over the place, and he meets a Knight Templar, right? And the Knight Templar says, you have to choose the correct cup. Uh, if you choose the correct cup, it will give you life. If you choose the wrong cup, it will take life from you. So like Indiana's like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. Let me figure it. And then Brody, right? not Brody, um, um, what is his name? Donovan. The Nazi, Donovan comes in and he chooses, he beats Indiana to it, he, he chooses uh, a gold chalice with jewels. And what does he say? He says, this is the cup of a king. And he takes the water and he sips the water and then immediately he is yeeted from life. Like he turns to dust and he disappears, Right? And what does the Knight Templar say? He chose poorly. (laughs) Such a great line, man. He chose poorly. So now it's up to Indiana. Indiana has to figure this out. Okay, well, it wasn't that cup. And he's working, he's wrestling. Ah. And he finds a small wooden cup. And he goes, this is the cup of a carpenter. And he takes the water and he drinks. And he lives. And he offers that water to his father, saving his father's life. But here's the point. Which cup Indiana Jones doesn't doesn't matter? I think he could have chosen the gold cup, cup of a king. I think choosing a cup of a carpenter obviously worked. I think he could have chosen any of them. What he chose wisely, because that's what the Templar says, he chose wisely. What he chose wisely was to use that cup to save someone else's life. That's why it worked. He didn't drink from the cup for world domination. 
He didn't drink from the cup to save himself. He didn't drink from the cup to have power and influence over anyone else. He chose the cup in order to save his father's life. That's why it worked. So whether the lights on your house are big and bad and they're synchronized to music and I want to come to your house. Whether you're not doing lights this year. Getting out of bed is enough. I want to come to your house too. Whether you're holding the gold chalice of a king or the carpenter's cup of a pauper. May we be about life offering life to one another. Render true judgment, Zechariah says, that true perception of the world and that perception is rooted in showing kindness and mercy to one another, using the cup of a carpenter king to save someone else's life. That's why God put on flesh and walked among us in the person of Jesus. Jesus wasn't here for himself. He was here for you. He was here for you. Now, um, where did I put it? Last week, uh, I asked you to pick up one of these guys. And we still have some. If you didn't pick one up last week, that's okay. We have more. You pick one of these up and a pledge card. And like, kill two birds with... Sorry. Feed two birds with one scone. Right? So... Now, pick this up. This is an ornament. Uh, last week, I, I asked you to decorate this, put something in it, make this symbolize whatever is in your life that, that you need a God intervention with, right? What is something in your life that you need a miracle, a Christmas miracle in your life for? Um, I want you to decorate it. I want you to bring it back with you. Not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. Last Sunday of Advent, I want you to bring this back. I'm not going to tell you why you have to bring it back. Just trust me. I want you to decorate it. I want you to fill it. I want you to bring it back in two weeks. Today, I want you to consider the question, who is God calling me to be? Right, the Grinch put on a Santa suit, but he was not Santa. For him, Christmas became a parody for the Who's, their celebration was a farce. Over the top, boisterous, garish. Really wasn't Jesus-centric at all. In what ways have I also been pretending and not being who God is calling me to be? I invite you to chew on that this week and meditate on that as we're getting ready to welcome Jesus into our lives, number one, where can God intervene? Where do I need that miracle? And second, what is God calling me to do and to become? Have I, have I been a parody of who God wants me to be? Render true judgment, have right perception. And you can tell that you have a right perception if you are rooted in kindness, and mercy for yourself, the image you see in the mirror, and for someone else. Whether it's a king's chalice or a carpenter's cup, may we offer life in everything that we do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.